All right, we are going to be in the book of Joshua again tonight. The book of Joshua. We have concluded chapter 1 last week. And we are going to be in Joshua 2 tonight. It's, it's kind of a long chapter. 24 verses. But we're going, to, we're going to tackle it all, Lord willing. I'll try to read through it quick. And we'll hit the high points. But the book of Joshua covers... Uh, the people of Israel as they were uh, led out of Egypt they were uh, delivered from the Egyptians they were delivered from Pharaoh there were some that doubted that God was going to deliver them to the promised land because they saw that some of the enemies there were pretty fierce Uh, as a result of that they had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years but now Moses has passed the torch to a younger man, a younger generation, and Joshua. And Joshua is about to lead the people of God across the Jordan River and into the Promised Land. In the last couple of weeks that we talked about Joshua, we have a reminder from the Lord that they are to be strong and courageous. We see that uh, four instances that I can remember off the top of my head in the first chapter where God reminds Joshua and the people of Israel to be strong and courageous because God understands that they're going to face some difficult enemies. But we know that God is stronger than anything that the people of Israel will face. Last week we talked about that two and a half of the tribes had found the land that they had liked on the other side of the Jordan and they said, we want to stay here. Uh, You go back and you look uh, back in the Old Testament that angered God, but God allowed them to stay in that land, which wasn't the land that he had prepared for them, but they were to stay there under one condition and that is that those two and a half tribes uh, would go in with the rest of the tribes of Israel to take over the land on the other side of the Jordan when that time come. And so Joshua was readying those two and a half tribes to say, all right, it's your guys' time to send the men out, send them across with the rest of your brothers and sisters Israelites, and we're going to go across the River Jordan and take the land. And so that's what we're uh, left off with last week. That's a brief overview if you hadn't been here the last couple weeks for Joshua. That's a picture of the Jordan River. If you've never seen the Jordan River or you're wondering what it looks like, that is an actual picture of of the Jordan River. So it's a very beautiful land that God had set aside uh, for his people. Obviously, this is the uh, a perfect God, and these are God's chosen people, so he's not just giving them the most rinky-dink piece of the back 40. He's not saying, all right, this is the land you can have. He picked a land flowing with milk and honey is what the text would call it. He picked a prosperous and wonderful land for his people to take. And so what we're going to see in the coming weeks is that Joshua and the people of Israel will cross over this Jordan River and they will go in and begin to take the land that God has uh, prepared for them. So let's read the text and then we will dig in. Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two men as spies from the Acacia Grove, saying, Go and scout the land, especially Jericho. So they left and they came to the house of a woman, a prostitute named Rahab, and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelite men have come here tonight to investigate the land. Then the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab and said, Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, for they came to investigate the entire land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. So she said, Yes, the men did come to me, but I didn't know where they were from. At nightfall, when the gate was about to close, the men went out, and I don't know where they were going. Chase after them quickly, and you can catch up with them. 
But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them among the stalks of flax that she had arranged on the roof. The men pursued them along the road to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as they left to pursue them, the gate was shut. Before the men fell asleep, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that the terror, excuse me, and that the terror of you has fallen on us. And everyone who lives in the land is panicking because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to Sahan and Og, the two Ammonite kings you completely destroyed across the Jordan. When we heard this, we lost heart, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Now please swear by me, excuse me, please swear to me by the Lord that you will also show kindness to my family because I showed kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father, mother, brothers, sisters, and all who belong to them, and save us from death. The men answered her, We will give our lives for yours. If you don't report our mission, we will show kindness and faithfulness to you when the Lord gives us the land. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, since she lived in a house that was built into the wall of the city. Go to the hill country so that the men pursuing you won't find you, she said to them. Hide yourselves for th there for three days until they return. Afterward, go on your way. The men said to her, We will be free from this oath you made us swear, unless when we enter the land you tie this scarlet cord to the window through which you let us down. Bring your father, mother, brothers, and all your father's, your, your father's family into your house. If anyone goes out the doors of your house, his blood will be on his own head, and we will be innocent. But if anyone with you in the house should be harmed, his blood will be on our heads. And if you report our mission, we are free from the oath you made us swear. Let it be as you say, she replied, and she sent them away. After they had gone, she tied the scarlet cord to the window. So the two men went into the hill country and stayed there three days until the pursuers had returned. They searched all along the way but did not find them. Then the men returned, came down from the hill country, and crossed the Jordan. They went to Joshua, son of Nun, and reported everything that had happened to them. They told Joshua, The Lord has handed over the entire land to us. Everyone who lives in the land is also panicking because of us. Let's pray. God, we come to you and I thank you for uh, your good word tonight. And, and just a, a big chunk of text, God. A lot of your word that we read. And I know it's a lot. But God, I pray that you would help us to get something out of your word. I pray that you would just draw out the stuff that you need us to hear, dear Lord, as we learn about your people, how you have taken care of your people, and the a response that the rest of the world has when they see your work, dear Lord God. So I pray that you would help us to hear your word tonight and live your word out so that you may be glorified in this place, that you may be glorified in this world as we go out and live our lives for you. And I just uh, ask these things. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 
All right, that was a lot of text we read tonight, but I want us to get the whole story because this is a this is a good story, and it's kind of hard to pick out a piece or two. So Joshua had sent a couple of spies into this uh, city, Jericho, and upon their arrival, they met a woman named Rahab who was a prostitute. And so these two spies went in, and what they discovered when they arrived there was that Rahab was fearful of the Israelites coming in, as well as it said the other people were fearful because they had heard what the God of Israel had done. And what the God of Israel had done was nothing short of amazing. What he had done is he had took the nation of Israel. Now the nation of Israel is not what you would call a world superpower. They are, by all accounts in the Old Testament and even in today's society, a pretty rinky-dink little country. They don't really get a lot of respect, except for by Christians. Israel doesn't really get a lot of respect, and they certainly didn't get a lot of respect back in those days. And why God chose Israel is a good question. But he did. He chose Israel. Perhaps he chose the lowest of the low and the worst of the worst to make a point. And that's good news for you and me because I'm pretty rough and I'm pretty lowly too, as all of us are because of our sinfulness. And if God can spare lowly old Israel, then praise the Lord through Israel, the blessing spreads to us. And that is Jesus Christ. But here we have lowly Israel that was not a world superpower. Not only were they not a world superpower, but they were a nation that had been enslaved by the Egyptians for many, many years. And now all of a sudden, you have the powerful Pharaoh of Egypt who can't stand before the God of the Israelites. The, the, the powerful Pharaoh of Egypt, all these plagues begin to come down on them and all these horrible things begin to happen. We talked about that some this morning. And we see all these things take place and Pharaoh refuses to let the people go and finally, begrudgingly, he does. And then once the people of Israel are freed from their enslavement in Egypt, he changes his mind and decides he's going to go on after them. So off they go on their horses and here are the people of Israel. They're stuck. The Red Sea's in front of them. Here comes Pharaoh and all the rest of his guys behind them. And lo and behold, what does God do but part a sea in half and the people cross over on dry ground. And once the people get to safety, the sea is closed up and it engulfs those Egyptians that are chasing them. So these stories would have no doubt made the rounds. Could you imagine today if you heard a story about a group of people that was just trying to come across just a little old Amit River down there and it parted up and the land was dry. Could you imagine how long would it take for news of that to get out? Not very long. On Facebook and Twitter, there would be hundreds of cars down there at the bridge. They would want to see this site. They would want to see what in the world, who are these people that, that crossed the sea when somebody raised their staff up? They'd want to know. Those stories would have resonated. Now, maybe it took a little longer in those days, but these stories had 40 years to make it all the way from the wilderness all the way to Jericho. And by the time that the Israelites had gotten there, the stories had spread about Israel. And little rinky-dink Israel might not have been much on their own, but with the power of God, it was a marvelous thing. And so Rahab has a proper response. Rahab hears about the God of Israel... Rahab hears about what God is doing, and Rahab humbles herself to say, Look, I don't want this thing to happen to me. I fear your Lord. Proverbs says that uh, the beginning of, of wisdom is fear. 
to fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And Rahab had a genuine fear of the Lord. She had a genuine respect of the Lord because she had saw what he could do. So much so that she lied. Now, I know a lot of people come to this verse. I hear it all the time and they justify. It's okay to lie because Rahab lied and it, it saved the people's lives. And we talked about that in, in a little bit in, in our lesson tonight. And the question is raised, is it okay to sometimes tell a lie for the good of people? In this case, probably to save their life. Was it okay for her to tell a lie? Well, I don't know. But here's what I'll tell you. Here's what I'll tell you on that. Is you do what the Holy Spirit leads you to do. Now, there may be a situation in life where you are called upon, where it may mean that telling the truth and lying may cause you to lose your life. Now, I would say just off the top of my head, it's probably better never to lie. But maybe the Holy Spirit will, in some situation, you will be led to lie. Maybe the Holy Spirit doesn't lead you to do it, but you do it anyway, and God even still uses your mistake for His glory. I don't have a clue. I don't know that this verse is a verse that we should use to justify our lying. But for whatever reason, the reason that Rahab did this was because of her fear of the Lord. She was doing it because her respect for the Lord. So maybe there are instances where lying is okay. And don't say the preacher told you to go out and lie. Because that's not what I'm telling you. But you need to pray about that and you need to seek the Lord for that. And that's between you and the Lord. But in this instance, Rahab found it suitable to lie to protect the men of Israel. And as a result of that, their lives were spared and they were able to go back and they were able to tell Joshua the news that they heard. They were able to tell Joshua, this is our land. These people know that this is our land. These people know that we come in to get it. And they know that there is nothing that they can do to stop us. And I think about Rahab's response and her reaction to what she heard when she heard about the awesome power of God and what God had done, how God had saved his people, uh, the miraculous things that he had been able to do. And her response was, she submitted to him. She was fearful of him. She respected the God of Israel that she heard about. And that's a good thing for us to consider tonight is, what is your response to God when you hear about God's mighty works? When we read the Bible, now we might not hear of people parting the Amit River, but we have a whole book right here that is full of God's miracles, that is full of what God's Word says, of what God has done. From Genesis to Revelation, there is story after story and instance after instance of God doing miraculous things. And if you've never read this book, I encourage you to read it. Even if it's just a chapter a day, a book a day, even if it takes you ten more years to read it, it's okay. Every little bit helps if you keep on reading. If you've never read this book, you need to read this book. If you've never heard God's Word preached, then go to church more. Listen to the radio. There's preachers all over the radio. There's an internet at your disposal where you can learn anything you want to hear about God. But you need to take all that and make sure it lines up with His Word. Don't believe everything you hear. But you need to read God's Word. And... The question that you have to think about is what is your response when you hear of God and God's mighty works? Do you say, it's just, you know, he's God, he's, you know, I believe he's probably real and this, that, and the other, but look, God's a good God, he's not going to send anybody to hell and I'm just going to do what I want to do. Well, that, that sounds all great, but that is not even close to what the Bible says is the case. God does love you and God doesn't want to send anybody to hell, but God does have certain things that are required and what is required of God is for you to be perfect. And you say, well, hold up. 
Yeah, you, you're right. You can't be perfect. Some of you are saying, I can't be perfect, but Jesus Christ was. And when we begin to read God's Word and learn that Jesus paid the price for us and that He was perfect and that when we accept Him that we are covered by His perfection and by His blood, then we should have a response to that. We should respond to that and be gracious. We should respond to that and say, thank you, Lord God, for what you've done. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for putting everything into place in your word so that your plan perfectly lined up so that I could receive your grace. Thank you, dear Lord, for having mercy on me. And thank you, God. I realize that you are awesome and powerful and you created the heavens and the earth, but yet you still love me. And I fearfully respect you and I humble myself before you and I ask for you to pour out the grace of Jesus Christ on my life. That is a proper response to hearing God's word. And I believe that's a response that Rahab had. And that should be the same response that you and I have. And now, it is so awesome if you get a chance to read God's Word if you haven't, and you really begin to study it, you begin to see that God puts everything into place. From Genesis to Revelation that we're covering on Sunday mornings, everything that takes place in this Bible is so that God's plan can fall into place. Every little piece he puts into place, even the pieces that you wouldn't expect he uses in a mighty way to fulfill his plan. There are plenty of times in God's word where it looks like the people of Israel, they're not going to make it anymore. It's their enemies coming in on them. It's their own sinfulness. But there's always a select few. God is always patient. God always provides a way for his people. Even when it looks bleakest, God desires for his plan to be completed. And we see that with Rahab. Rahab, a lying prostitute, and would you believe of all people to be right in the genealogy of Jesus Christ is Rahab. Now Jesus Christ, the Son of God, a perfect and sinless human being who came to this earth, who defeated death, and who resurrected three days later and went back to heaven, right in Jesus' own genealogy, is a lying prostitute. And some of you are saying, God couldn't use me. God don't love you. The devil will try to convince you of that, but I guarantee you that God can use you. If you don't believe God can use you because you're too much of a sinner, He can change your heart, He can change your life, and He can use you. The Bible is full of people who made a bunch of boneheaded decisions and disobeyed God, and guess what? He still was able to use them. Now, there's plenty of people in the Bible that made a bunch of boneheaded decisions, that didn't repent, that didn't humble themselves before God, that continue to do what they want to do, and they suffered the consequences. But there are plenty of people that made those poor decisions but come back to seek the Lord. Said, look, God, I messed up. And God used those people in a mighty way. And every one of us is a sinner. We are all sinners, each one of us. And God doesn't choose to use you because you are so good. God didn't call me to preach the gospel because I am so good. Now, that may be a shock to some of you guys. But God didn't look at me and say, he is such a good guy. He has got to be the one. I'm like probably the least, the least likely candidate to preach. There are probably some people in here that would be way better qualified. God doesn't pick us because we're good enough. But God says, come to me and I'll use you. I'll fix the rough edges. I'll tie up the loose ends. But we have to humble ourselves and allow God to do that. 
And that's what we saw Rahab do. She believed that God was who he said he was. She believed that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. And as a result of that, God spared her. While the rest of Jericho was being destroyed, not Rahab and her family, because she had the faith and the courage to seek out the Lord. She wasn't an Israelite, but even then she had faith in the Lord and she was spared. And that same saving faith that Rahab had is available for you and me. That same faith to trust that the Lord is who he says he is. That there is coming a day when there will be a destruction in our world just like there was in Jericho. There's coming a day when that's going to take place. But for those of us who have put our faith and trust in the Lord, we don't have to worry. We'll be protected. Because while we may not put a, a scarlet ribbon or a rope outside of our window, we are covered by the scarlet red blood of Jesus Christ. And it makes us as white as snow. And when that day of destruction comes, we have nothing to fear. So what is your faith in today? Is it in the world or is it in the God of Israel who did mighty works then and he still does mighty works today? He saved a lying prostitute and put him in the very uh, genealogy of his own son, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And if he can do that with her, then think of the things that he can do with you for the glory of his kingdom. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your good word tonight, and I thank you that you can uh, use people like us. That God, I, we're, we're so close from being perfect, it's not even funny. We're just a bunch of country folks, dear Lord. We just struggling to get by, but we just thank you. We thank you that you use us. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you put your Holy Spirit of love within us, and we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, that you have sent to die on the cross for us so that we are covered by his blood. And I pray that you would help us to learn from that example of, of Rahab, that we would have just that much faith, dear Lord. God, we think about that question of, is it ever right to lie, dear Lord? I don't know. But I pray that your Holy Spirit, in whatever answers we give, and whatever times that it is, that you would guide us, and that we would always speak truth, dear Lord. And that we would seek our best to live for you, and to do what your word says, and what your word calls of us. We thank you for the mighty works you did in your people of Israel and for giving us the Bible so that we can read of these miracles and to know that you are still in the miracle business, God. That you saved those who have faith in you thousands of years ago and you can save those who have faith in you tonight. And so I pray that if there's one in this room that maybe for the first time tonight got it, that said, man, I have messed up. I have been missing what God has to offer. I hadn't been a living for the Lord. Maybe tonight they got that they need Jesus Christ, that they need to put their faith in Him. Praise the Lord. Dear Lord, we thank you for that. And I pray that you'd be with each one. I pray that you would help them as they prepare to leave this place and go into this world next week, that you would just give them a wonderful week at work. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen.